Hi everyone, thank you so much for being here. I want to invite you into an incredible opportunity to become a coach. This is the Certificate in Mindfulness and Well-Being Strategy. This is for the person who wants to launch and grow their own business, take on one-on-one clients, offer group coaching, lead retreats around the world, launch your own podcast, start a blog, bring in mindfulness and well-being practices and workshops into corporations and school systems. If this is hitting your heart and you are saying, hell yes, then this is the program for you. The Certificate in Mindfulness and Well-Being Strategy is a three-month journey where you work with me to launch and grow your business, plus have trainings from leading experts in mindfulness and well-being strategy. We will also meet for five days in tropical Nosada, Costa Rica, where we dive in deeply into business planning while being nurtured by our spiritual practices so you can birth your heart-centered business. Please check out the link in our notes. If you want to focus on freedom instead of the hustle, then this is the program for you. I'm looking forward to reading your application. Cohorts are open right now. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Dappel, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I am super pumped about today's guest. We have Julie Ryan, inventor, entrepreneur, author, psychic, and medical intuitive. In this podcast, we talk about heaven, death, and dying, and connecting with our spirit guides. Julie also guides me on an incredible past life regression and tells me all about my past life as a priest living in Rome. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. How, where do we even begin? How does one become a medical intuitive and a psychic? Well, it was an interesting journey for me because I'm an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world, Aaron, and I'm an entrepreneur. I have founded nine companies in five industries. And so people look at me and they say, you do what? now when I tell them I'm a medical intuitive and a psychic. But how it happened is I was given a book about 26, 27 years ago by a friend called Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mace. And she calls herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? Because I'd been in the hospital supply industry for a long time at that point, and I'd never heard that term before. So I read her book and I wanted to know more. And I went to the bookstore because we didn't have Amazon yet. And the internet really wasn't even a big deal yet. It seems like that couldn't be possible, but it's the truth because we're so used to the internet. And so I went to a Barnes and Noble and I found a book called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan. And she's a former NASA physicist, Aaron, who has parlayed 
complicated quantum physics information into understandable language that somebody who has a non-scientific mind, like I don't have a scientific mind like me, um, can understand. And she talks about energy fields and how we can utilize energy fields for healing and things like that. So I found that fascinating and I wanted to know more. So I called her school, which at the time was on Long Island. And I said, hey, do you have anybody in my area who's a graduate perhaps that is teaching? And sure enough, there was. So I studied with her for six years and basically paid the equivalent of a graduate, a PhD degree in costs, but learned a lot. And, uh, and then I've been doing it you know, ever since. So I've been doing this work for 26 years this year. I tell people I'm a I'm a, a businesswoman who learned how to do woo-woo, and I'm, an in, I'm a, a buffet of psychicness. So wow. it makes it fun. Yeah, that definitely sounds fun. That definitely sounds interesting. What does the typical day look like right now? What do your days look like? I do private consults with people all over the world, either via phone or Skype or FaceTime if they're in a different country. And I do interviews like with, with this for you. So I'm doing that on Thursday nights. I have a podcast called Ask Julie Ryan and people call in from all over. I did one last night. and I had somebody call in. Most of them are from the U.S. just because of the time uh, issues, you know, with the time zones. But I had somebody call in from Mallorca, Spain and somebody from Guadalajara, Mexico. And so they call in via Skype. And it's just, they ask questions about health, about their pets, about career, love life, connecting with a deceased loved one. Can you tell me about my spirit guides? Can you connect with my guardian angel? It's all all across the board and it is a blast. We have so much fun on that show. Oh, that sounds so fun. Absolutely. It's people like to know more and they want to know what's beyond. And I feel so lucky. I I got my master's at Columbia, but it was a very spiritual program. It's called Spirituality Mind Body Institute. For anyone listening, definitely reach out. I would love to tell you more. And a lot of my classmates were psychics, shaman, like all-knowing healers. We all have this like clinical psych Western degree now. And all the time I'll just chat with my friends and and my really good friend Perry, she'll she'll just drop in and let me know what what's coming up, like what's around, giving all this great intuition. Something I'm so fascinated by is past life regression or or who was I before now? Is that something we could dive into? Sure, absolutely. We do that. I do that a lot with clients because most of the work that I do, Erin, I would say, yeah, ninety. maybe even is medical intuitive stuff. And people call me because they've been to multiple doctors and gotten multiple diagnoses and multiple treatment plans, and they still have all their symptoms. So part of that healing, I'm like a human MRI. I can see broken bones, torn ligaments, cancer, viral infections, that kind of stuff in my mind's eye. But And we do healings on all of that stuff in the body. But I think the most important part of a healing is fixing what I call the energy field membrane. And when there's a tear or hole in that membrane, and I can explain more about that if you want, oftentimes it's caused by something that's happened in a past life. And so when I go into that tear or that hole, I'm shown a scene and I'm given dates and times and what happened and all of that with the past lives. 
and then we correlate it with what's going on in the person's current life. And then it erases it. As soon as we illuminate it, it, it negates it. It gets rid of it. And so it's really interesting, the stuff that comes up. There was a guy I worked with recently, and we got that he had been a, an admiral in the British Navy in the late 1700s. Wow. And we got his name, and we got his that he was head of, he was commander of the Pacific fleet and he was involved in some big battle with the French and I was thinking, okay, good. I don't know British naval history, but whatever. So we Googled it, Aaron, and sure enough, everything that we got, all the information we got was, you know, we could corroborate it with information online. But the important thing was how we correlated it and and saw what was going on in his current life. This guy has been the CEO of publicly traded companies. And so he's used to commanding, you know, a fleet, basically, of employees and setting strategy and all this other stuff. So we were able to relate what happened in that life when he was a British admiral to his life on Wall Street and running companies in this lifetime. It's fascinating. It's so much fun. So if I wanted to dive into my past lives, how would I go yeah. about that? Yeah. Yeah. What? How I do it is different from, of course, because I'm an entrepreneur, of course. Amazing. Got, you know, a different way to do it. Uh, how I do it is, is I ask you to come up with a question. Come up with some kind, something that you want to know about. Like in my past life, you know, was I uh, an engineer, if you were an engineer in this life? And, and so then what we'll do is I close my eyes, I raise my vibrational level to the level of spirit, because, you know, we're all spirits attached to a body, having a human experience. And for me to communicate with spirit, I need to vibrate at their level. So I turn my abilities on and off at will. So I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to envision myself walking down this endless hallway with really tall ceilings, maybe 40 feet tall. And on the walls, and it's narrow, are 12 by 12 inch mirrors. And the mirrors represent a lifetime. And there's hundreds, if not thousands of them, endless. And so we ask the question, and then the mirrors that, that represent the lifetimes that correlate with whatever the question is will come out from the wall as if they're on a hydraulic arm. And then I'll say, show me the one that, that correlates the most. And that one will come out. And then I'll envision myself walking into that mirror, Aaron, and I'll be shown a scene and we'll get information and then we'll, we'll correlate it with what's going on with your current life. It's really fun. Oh my God. That sounds so fun. It's watching a movie of your own life. It is. Yes. And there's so many people say, well, you know, tell me about my past lives. Well, you know, we could be here till kingdom come talking about your past lives. What is it? What is a question that you want to know if you have past lives that, that relate to it? Interesting. The interesting thing about the past lives and how they, they relate to our current life. It's been my experience. And so I've come up with this theory that seems feasible is we have a basic script that will utilize in multiple lifetimes. And I use the analogy of the movie, A Star is Born, that was out last fall mm -hmm. with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. That was a fourth time that movie was made. Same basic script, different timeline, different setting, different cast characters, but same basic script. And I see that through multiple lifetimes, like the Admiral, 
you know, he was commandeering a bunch of people. He was setting strategy. He was the leader. He was all of that. So basically, you take that basic premise from the late 1700s, you put it into modern day. He's, you know, a modern day guy who's doing basically the same thing, different timeline, different set of circumstances. And then we take what we learn in those lifetimes and we expand out from there because I believe we're here to co-create with God, with the universe, with whatever you want to call it. And, and that's the fun for the spirit is the spirit just looks at every experience in a neutral way. It's just an experience, but it's fun for them to create. And that's what we're all about. And there's so much wisdom to know the past. So when your clients recognize Oh, I was I was this before, maybe last lifetime or ten lifetimes ago. That's why it's so intuitive for me to do this now. Exactly. I had a uh, I have a client who actually is a student. I teach a class uh, several times a year, and it's online. And she is a flight attendant based in London. And we got a past life. She's been having relationship issues. You know, she finds these men and they won't commit and whatever. So we had this past life that came up for her and she had been a geisha in Kyoto, Japan. Oh, wow. And, you know, typical geishas have men who sponsor them, but they can't ever, you know, be in a relationship with them. That's like a marriage or something that's committed. But the thing that was interesting that she shared was she said she used to work for ANA Airlines, the Japan, Japanese airline. And she said her training was in Kyoto. And when she got to Kyoto, it all felt so familiar, even to the point where she said, when the first day of training, they were in the cafeteria and she'd never, she was an Italian living in London. She said, I've never even held chopsticks, let alone used them. She said, I knew how to use them. And my Japanese colleagues said, you use them better than we do. We've been using them out of the crib. You know, what's up with that? And she said, now I know why. That is so fascinating. And then it probably helps her heal in present time. Well, it helps her understand why that script of not choosing men who can commit, where that's coming from. So then we remove that past life nuance, that one little nuance from her energy field. And then it doesn't need to have an effect on this lifetime anymore because we've illuminated it. Once we illuminate it, it doesn't need to have any effect so we can remove it. And, uh, and, and the past life memories come in through the DNA. I find. Wow. And so when I remove a past life memory, usually it's something that's detrimental or the person thinks is detrimental in this lifetime. When I remove that, it's so interesting, Erin. It comes out of their pores and it looks like blue vapor. <laughs> you know, they look like a big chia pet instead of having bean sprouts coming out of their pores. You know, they got blue vapor coming out of their pores. It's, it's almost the holidays. So, you know, chia pet ads are going to be on TV here soon. Yeah, now we're talking about it, so we'll get targeted. (laughs) Incredible. I wonder, can we move into an exercise? Would it be interesting to you? I know know it would be interesting to me. Yeah. So do I just ask a question about past life? Well, something that you want to know in your current life, you want to know if there's something in a past life that's affecting whatever it is in your current life. Is there a scene or a lifetime in which I was a female 
healer or intuitive or leader. Okay. Does it have to be female? No. Okay. Like spiritual leader? Yes. Or just leader, period. I mean, do you, where you I guess led leader, armies? Or? My heart's beating so fast. I'm so nervous. Um, I guess in any in any capacity. Okay. Do, do I have to be more specific? Well, I find I find if we're specific, spirit's really literal. Mm-hmm. So when we ask spirit, and this is a little different when I'm talking to somebody, if I'm having a communication with spirit, either alive or deceased, we can connect with anybody in the world who's alive or deceased, um, their spirit. And our spirit has a frequency that it keeps from the time it starts till for forever. So that's how we can do the past life thing, because your spirit has a frequency, kind of like a radio station frequency, right. 94.7 is the jazz station, for instance. That frequency stays the same. So that's how I'm able to connect with wherever, you know, whatever the spirit is. But um, with this, we can just say a healer, an intuitive, or a leader. Um, the healer, intuitive, and leader, those are kind of across the board unless we add spiritual leader. Because, you know, a leader, you could have been like a general in an army mm-hmm. or a politician or a, a principal of a school. I mean, that goes all across the board. So if you want to know within a certain context, let's address that. Spiritual. All right. Okay. So I've removed the female. So the question is, has Aaron been a healer and intuitive? Intuitive even is, I think we're all intuitive. Mm-hmm. So. I'd, I'd say an energy healer. How about that? Great. Because a, a healer, you could have been a doctor or a nurse or a physical therapist or something like that. Intuitive. I think we're all born with intuitive abilities. We just need to learn to develop them. That's what I did. I learned how to do this. So how about uh, has Erin had any past lives in which she was an energy healer and or a spiritual leader? How about that? Does that, that work? That sounds fun. All right. Okay. So I'm in this endless hallway. And I'm asking the question, does Erin have any past lives in which she was an energy healer or and or a spiritual leader? Okay, there's lots of them. So again, these 12 by 12 mirrors coming out of the wall. There's lots of them that are coming out from the wall. So show me the one that correlates the most. It's coming out the farthest. It's way down on the left side. So I, And it's, it's kind of at about my knees level. So it's kind of low, but it's floor to ceiling, these mirrors. It's a riot. And uh, I see myself jogging down this little hallway. Not little, it's endless. And so I've got it. So I'm in front of it. I'm going in. And let's see what I come up with. I'm just going to cover my eyes because kind of like when you're in the movie theater and it's dark, you can see the picture better, you know. So, okay, let's see what happens. 1947, Rome. Wow. This is just right after World War II. Okay. So what's going on? Oh, you were a priest in that lifetime. Your name was Father John. It sounds like, phonetically, it sounds like Salmonelli. And so phonetically spelling, I'm getting S-O-L, Sol. M-E-N-E-L-L-I. I think Italian names are so melodic. I love how they sound. So Father John, 
what did you do? Show me about your lifetime. Okay, so you worked with with the, I would say the um, economically challenged. Your parish was in an area that was, I would say, low income, and certainly those people were suffering after the war because Rome, of course, and you know, and all of Italy was involved with a lot of destruction and um, fascism and all of that. So. What you're doing is you're appealing. Okay, so this is interesting. You not only take care of the older people in your parish, you are appealing to the young people who have been corrupted by fascism, by Mussolini and, you know, all of those uh, principles of that. So the young people is really what your calling is and giving them hope and talking to them about how they can create a life of their own, whatever it is that they want to create, because certainly, um, you know, communism and fascism is about big government. Big government will take care of you, so you don't have to worry about what you're going to do with your life. But, but Father John, from a spiritual standpoint, he took spirituality. And he's telling me my legs are vibrating like crazy, which is just validation to all of this. My legs are going. Um, Father John is telling me in that lifetime that he took within the frame of spirituality. He didn't pay so much attention about the dogma in the church, but he was taking it from a spiritual capacity where he was trying to help these young people understand that they could create anything they wanted and that they were made in the image and likeness of God. So they had the power to do whatever they wanted. They didn't need the government to take care of them. And he's telling me that he had the thought where if he could take that spirituality and come at it from a different way, he could help them in ways that the typical church teachings couldn't. Because certainly back then everything was in Latin. And he he brought it down to the masses to empower people. So does that resonate with you at all? Any oh my of that God, correlate? so much. I, I'm going to cry. It's so beautiful. I, I'm a spiritual business coach. I mean, this is like everything that I do present day. I'm also hoping you'll tell me that I, I rescued some Jews from the Holocaust, but maybe that's going a little bit too far. Uh, I'm not getting that's the case, but I'm getting that there were young people from all uh, religions that would come to Father John's. Father John would have these meetings. He's calling them coffee meetings, where cappuccino, you know, Italian, uh, where he would have young people and they would get together and they would talk about this stuff. And eventually, you see pictures of St. Francis attracting the animals, like all kinds of animals. Um, he attracted people from all, all religions. And he had all he had Jewish people, he had Protestant people, he had atheists, he had all kinds of people with different backgrounds that would come because his message was resonating with the young people who'd suffered so much during the war and their yeah. parents had suffered so much. So I think he affected Jews in that lifetime. I don't know that he's saved from the Holocaust, but I think he may have saved them from having a life that was not something that they created. 
Does that make sense? This is so fun. Absolutely. This is amazing. How well, anything else that came up that resonated? I think it's interesting too, you know, spirit, we think of spirit as being um, a male spirit or a female spirit, but it's not. Spirit doesn't have a gender, but we come in to find different, different experiences. Certainly you're doing a lot of the same thing as a young female living in Chicago with, you know, lots of alphabet soup in the form of advanced degrees after your name. Um, so, so some, you can see how that main script is still there. You took all those experiences in 1947, post-World War II Rome, and you now are building on top of them as a female in a time where we have communication possibilities that are global. Father John didn't have that resource, but you do, let alone the people with whom you work, you know, in person and on one-on-one sessions. This is amazing. Anything else resonate? Oh, yeah. My fiance's name is John. Uh, I studied abroad in Florence, Italy, so I spent four months in Italy. I love Trastevere in, in Rome. So I all of it, everything you're saying resonates. 1947, wow. What a time. The interesting thing about seven is the past lives, when they come up, always have a seven in the year. You know, whether it's like... 732 BC, or there's always a seven in it. And you may know more about this, but in the Bible, the all the numbers uh, up to the number of 12 have a significance. You know, back in the old Jewish, you know, when it was written, and, and it was mainly oral stories, but certainly the Old Testament, most of the people until recent years were illiterate. So, they remembered the stories and to keep the continuity of the stories, there were numbers that were involved in each number had a significance that co- that connected with God. And the number seven is spiritual perfection. So I find it fascinating that whenever I do a past life, you know, whatever scan, whatever you want to call it, there's always a number seven in the year that we perfect. Certainly father John lived many other years instead of just 1947. But that's the one that came up at the time that's going to be spiritual perfection for you to know about so that we can correlate it with your current life. This is so fascinating. I love this. I love this world. What a juicy place. Oh, yeah. People say to me, um, you know, why do you do this work? And I say, because it is, it is, it's so interesting. It's fascinating. I teach people, I say, you don't need to do drugs. Just learn how to do woo-woo. And you'll see all this wild oh, yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, give me the woo. Be yeah. Be able to access anything you want to access. That's what I teach in my class. I tell, tell my students, look, if you can communicate with spirit, any spirit, whether they're attached to a, a live body or not, you can take it anywhere you want. You can be a healer. You can be an animal healer. You can do past life stuff. You can talk to dead people. You can do whatever. You know, you want to talk to Einstein, we bring Einstein in. You want to talk to Mother Teresa, we bring her in. You want to talk to Benjamin Franklin, we bring bring his spirit in. It's just limitless, the capacity that this has, the bandwidth if you would imagine. Are there any specific spirits or energies that visit you more regularly than others? I have my main spirit guides. Everybody has a bunch of spirit guides. We have a guardian angel that stays with us in all of our lifetimes, Aaron, which is interesting. 
But our spirit guides come and go depending on what we have going on in our life at any given time. And my main spirit guide for the last 10 years or so is a dead pope named Pope Clement VI. And he came in because I do a lot of work with families who have a loved one who's dying. And that's what my book, Angelic Attendance, is about. It's about what happens as we're transitioning. You know, there's lots of books about NDEs. There are lots of books about the afterlife. But there really isn't anything about what happens as we're actually dying. And what I see from a spiritual standpoint is angels and deceased loved ones and our deceased pets surround us. And so I talk about the 12 phases of transition. So anyways, one day I was at my mentors and, and she was doing a healing on me. And I always have my deceased loved ones, spirits are in the room and they help with the healing when my, my mentor is zapping on me. So one day this dead Pope shows up and he's got his whole Pope outfit on. And I said, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, there was a Pope Clement. And Susan, my mentor, can see him. And I looked at her and I said, there was a Pope Clement? She goes, I don't know. And I said, I never heard of a Pope Clement. And he said, I was, po- I was number six. He was laughing, his spirit. So I said, well, may I help you? You know, basically, why are you here? And I'm paraphrasing, of course. And he said, if you would just teach the world about what happens when people are dying, that would help so many people because your civilization has made death so scary to everybody that, you know, everybody's afraid of it and they're afraid of what's going to happen as they're dying. And it's glorious. And you know, it is because you see it every time you work with a family. So this is part of what, why you're here. You're supposed to help teach the world about this stuff. And I said to him, Aaron, I said, no, you don't understand. I'm a businesswoman. I'm not doing that. So I'm having this discussion back and forth with this Pope. And he's laughing and he said, he said, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, everything that you've done in your life, all this business stuff you've done and all these inventions and all this jazz, this is to get you ready to do that part of this. You're supposed to teach the world. So I said, yeah, fine. He leaves. I'm leaving. I get in my car after I'm done with Susan. I get in my car to drive home, Aaron. And just for kicks, I Googled Pope Clement VI. He was in office during the bubonic plague. When two-thirds of Europe died, he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I'm thinking to myself, Ryan, you can't make this stuff up. So he prodded me for years before I got the courage. I say I got the golden ovary courage to be able to release this information because I thought people are going to think I am just a nutcase. But it's, it's so interesting because the book you know, is all is read all over the world. But it's something that I didn't foresee that just tickles me is it's used in Sunday school classes around the country as part of their curriculum. And it's used in synagogues around the country wow. as part of their book club. So I find that just amazing that it's it's taken that turn. That is amazing. We will link all of this in the footnotes. We deeply misinterpret death and dying. And that is something that I th- we see time and time again. We fear it so immensely. Oh, absolutely. And what I see is really glorious and it gives people comfort. Usually it's the family members and the person who's dying, their friends and family, whether they read this information ahead of time as the person's dying or if they read it after the person's already passed, it 
provides so much comfort. And if anybody that wants to see graphics on my website, you can see them, AskJulieRyan.com, the 12 phases of transition, the graphics are there. And what a lot of people do, Erin, is they'll download the chart of the graphics and they'll give it to the family members. For instance, if grandma is dying and the family is gathering from perhaps far and wide, far and near. And, uh, and I have so many stories about how this has helped comfort and help people go through this process with their loved one. And certainly all of us are going to face it eventually. Oh, this is one place you won't get out alive. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that's so scary is that, is that deep down we know, oh my God, this is going to be me someday. What the heck is this? Interesting point about the 12 phases of transition. There's a prayer said I was raised Roman Catholic and I'm a practicing Catholic. And there was a, there's a prayer that said at the end of every Catholic funeral called in paradisum. And it talks about how the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And when I was researching it for the book, because I'd heard it my whole life, you know, at every Catholic funeral I'd ever attended. And, and when I was researching it for the book, I found that it originated as a fifth century Gregorian chant. So I have to believe that people since the beginning of time have been able to see what I see with these 12 phases of transition. And and perhaps it took until the fifth century till, till people were really well-educated enough. And certainly some of the most learned men, there were men who were educated back then, were in synagogues and in monasteries. They were the scribes. You know, they were the ones that were writing things down. They were the keepers of the the holy manuscripts and other other manuscripts. And maybe it took to the fifth century till somebody um, could write that down. And I, I think we've all been able to see it, but as we've become more well-educated and more scientifically based, wanting proof for everything in the last 100, 150 years, maybe we've moved away from what we really know, which is, I think, why this resonates so much with people when they read it. It's so needed. And the conversation that the question that I really want to ask next is in your in your belief, what happens after we die? We are escorted by angels to heaven. And I'm saying that in air quotes. Heaven is non-physical. Heaven is uh, spirit. It's a it's a co-reality to where we are what we understand in our human existence. And, uh, and there's a whole, a whole series of events as we're dying about how what I was talking about with the 12 phases of transition, how our deceased loved ones, spirits are there, how angels show up, how every pet we've ever had in that lifetime are there. Hundreds, if not thousands of, of uh, spirits show up. I call it the welcome to heaven committee and they're dressed in period garb. So when somebody's dying out of the hundreds of people in the crowd that are there assembled to welcome them, I may see people in, in, you know, like dark ages garb or 1960s or turn of the 20th century or whatever. It's a riot, the stuff that we see, because it's, it's spirits from all lifetimes that we've had that show up. And, uh, and it, it, it's a couple of fascinating things about that. The 12 phases can happen instantly, like in the case of a death, that's a suicide or a homicide. And they can take days, weeks, months, even years to unfold. There's a gal that called into my show for a couple of years and her father was in phase 11 of 12. The other thing that's interesting about this too is, is 
when in the book I talk about stories of families with whom I worked and these phases are noticeable to family members with with seemingly serendipitous events that aren't serendipity at all you know it's it's absolutely intuition and things unfolding perfectly so that's you know that's fun to read about that as well you are redefining one of the most it's high level topics that really exist in our in our language like in our world and it's so important that we have a different perspective on death and dying well so i think regardless you. of how we're brought up if we're brought up in a in a religion certainly in western civilization people are afraid if they're going to when they die are they going to fly or are they going to fry i mean that's the basic bottom line so this negates all of that you know everybody flies there is nobody gets dropped into a fiery pit all spirit is pure unlimited love the most horrible person that's ever lived, we think, well, we hope they're rotting in hell. Yeah, well, you know, good concept. All that personality stays with the body when somebody dies. The spirit is pure love. And so that's hard for people. That's a paradigm shift for people. Sometimes it's hard to wrap their heads around a uh, Hitler, you know, his spirit being pure love and light. But that's the case. That's what I've experienced. That's what I believe. Because Who's to say that in a previous life, he wasn't persecuted? And in, in the 20th century, he wanted to find out what it felt like to be the persecutor. I mean, there's just all kinds of different concepts about that. And certainly many of them are feasible, at least in my mind. Wow. I'm, I'm so happy you reached out and that you're on this podcast. It's so fascinating to me. What is your favorite thing about your job, about your work? The people that I get to meet, I get to meet just amazing people from all over the world, all walks of life. I love hearing people's stories. I love to be able to help them in any way. The the tagline for my show is is helping people answer life's unanswerable questions. So whether it's a question about um, a loved one who's died, we communicate with them, or a, a pet. Last night, a gal called into my show and she had a, a dog that was missing. And so we were trying to figure out, you know, where the dog was. And I can a lot of times even come up with latitude and longitude. Okay, here's where they are. Look this up. And I don't know latitude and longitude, but I get coordinates sometimes. Um, I had another person that uh, I, with whom I spoke yesterday who had a dear friend whose 18-year-old daughter was in intensive care. And she was dying and she called me and she said, we did a, you know, we did a read on the, um, this young girl and she was in phase two of 12 and I got that she had sepsis. And so I was able to give her information of a professor in a medical school, a, a critical care professor, doctor in Virginia, who. His name is Dr. Paul Merrick, and he's come up with a protocol to treat sepsis that uses vitamin C, steroids, and vitamin B, thiamine. And he's had this amazing success rate. Like out of 250 patients, he's had two die, where sepsis usually kills 60-some percent of patients. Wow. So I was able to get her that information. She was able to get that information to her friend. And um, she sent me an email this morning already. She said, Dr. Merrick returned the email of the mother of the girl that's dying. He's in touch with the, 
the critical care doctors at their hospital, they're starting the protocol. So for me to have that kind of potential to help people in whatever area and, and provide comfort and, and uh, healing and all of that is just, it's an honor and a privilege and it's just so much fun to do it. I sound like a, sound like a circus clown saying fun all the time, but it really is. So we are all intuitive beings. And if anybody who's listening right now to this podcast, if they wanted to tap in or if they wanted to connect to their spirit guides, what's something someone can do right now to receive guidance if they're trying to make a decision? Ask a question either aloud or in your head. And the spirits communicate telepathically. So the first thing that comes into your head, you're going to think is, is your thought. It's not. It's whoever you're talking to, you know, a deceased loved one, maybe a grandmother or somebody, it's them answering you. But remember, spirits are really literal. So you want to be very specific if you're looking for guidance about what the question is. For instance, if you ask, and I like to preface any kind of guidance questions with, is it in my best interest too? You know, let's bring in your deceased loved ones, your angels, your spirit guides, God, not necessarily in that order, but let's bring all that together and get a group consensus about what's going to be best. So I always preface it with, is it in my best interest to dot, dot, dot. So an example might be, is it in my best interest to go to the concert on Saturday? Sounds like a great question. You get a yes. You go to the concert and the concert, something happens at the concert that, you know, makes it not enjoyable. And so you're talking to your deceased loved ones and you're going, what's up with that? You told me that, that I, it was in my best interest to go to the concert. The key is, is it in my best interest to go to the concert on such and such a date at such and such a time at such and such a location to hear whomever? See the difference? Mm-hmm. So spirit's always going to answer truthfully. You know, they're going to always answer accurately where we get into trouble is it's all predicated on how we ask the question. So be super specific. Spirit communicates in words and phrases. So you get a phrase. Um, Is it in my best interest to go to the concert? Yes. Is it in my best interest to go to the concert on Saturday with all those, you know, variables stated? Yes. You know, is it in my best interest to, um, to, go with a certain person. I mean, you can do a deep dive and you can ask questions that are are multiple choice questions, questions that are open-ended. It doesn't have to be yes or no. And it's so handy because, you know, it's cheap, it's free, it's convenient because wherever your brain is, you can utilize it. <laughs> you can do it anywhere about anything. I've done it. I've done it when I've been in traffic jams before. I do it when I'm buying something, if I'm making a big decision, if I, I do it for other people, I do it for animals. It's, it's just opens up a whole plethora of possibilities when you do that. I'm going to be doing this all day, every day. The other thing that's important to remember about this, Erin, is that thoughts don't originate in our heads. Every thought has a frequency. So they're out there you know, in the ethers, in the universe, and whatever we're thinking about, we're on that frequency. Back to the example of a radio station frequency. You want to, if you're on, if you find yourself in a negative thought pattern, like 
um, oh my gosh, if, I'm, I'm never going to meet anybody. I'm never going to fall in love, blah, 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 blah. You're, you're on that frequency that's pulling in those thoughts and you want to disrupt that and you want to change the frequency by going to curiosity. And I call it the two-minute rule. And here's the two-minute rule. How you break that, how you disrupt that frequency is you ask yourself, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? Whatever it is you're stressing about or upset about or whatever, you're probably going to laugh and then you're going you're gonna to be on a different frequency because you've disrupted that other hamster wheel of, I'm never going to meet anybody, blah, 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 and you're in that dark hole. So use the two-minute rule. Ask yourself, whatever it is, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? If you're standing in the high, on the highway and there's an 18-wheeler headed towards you, you better move. You know, that's a rational fear. Every other fear that isn't going to kill you in two minutes is an irrational fear. It's fake news. So, you know, disrupt it, move on to a different thought. And that's a real easy way that I teach to do that. Incredible. Julie, thank you so much. If you had advice or wisdom to share with all the, the women in this world, all our listeners in the world, what would you like to share with them? Use the two-minute rule. It will keep you at a high vibration and it will, that's when the magic happens. You know, all kinds of magical things will happen with that. And follow your intuition. You know how to talk to spirit now. You say something to spirit, you ask a question and it's the first thing that comes into your head. The more you do it, the easier it's going to become. The more you get the information that you receive validated, the more you're going to trust it. And it's just going to be second nature and it will enhance your life in just absolutely untold ways. Julie, thank you so much. How can everybody find you? AskJulieRyan.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me course. As always with podcasts, we need high ratings, subscribers, and comments to receive good standing and to continue sharing wise words with women all around the globe. So please comment, subscribe, rate us, share with a friend. We adore hearing from you. Big love and looking forward to chatting again next week. Thanks so much.